0: Welcome back to Teacher Talk with Ms. Bagdanov. Today's episode will be dissecting and talking all things Act 2 of Romeo and Juliet. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy. So Act 1 left us with Romeo and Juliet discovering that they're from enemy families and not sure how they feel about that. Act 2 opens with Romeo saying, Can I go forward when my heart is here? Turn back, Dole Earth, and find thy center out. So he's essentially wanting to go back and be with her. Let's just keep in mind that they've barely spent any time together, and yet he is all hell-bent on being with Juliet. When probably like an hour and a half prior to that, he was so gloomy about Rosalind. I'm skeptical of Romeo. I don't know about you, but that's how I feel towards him. So Romeo is, has left the party, and now Benvolio and Mercutio are trying to find him. Benvolio and Mercutio open Act 2 with this back-and-forth banter about where Romeo is. Basically, Mercutio makes all these sexual jokes about Romeo getting some action, if you know what I mean. If you caught the drift, you got it. That's what Mercutio is basically saying to Benvolio. They can't find him. Mercutio is making fun of him in that way. Mercutio is also saying a lot of things about how it's good that he is with someone else. Because this is what he was encouraging him to do in Act 1. So there's that with Mercutio and humor yet again. And then we shift over to Romeo lurking around the Capulet mansion somehow, and he sees Juliet at her balcony. So here is the famous, famous balcony scene, the line that everyone quotes that Juliet says, "Oh Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo, is this scene where that line comes from. There's so much to say about the balcony scene. There's so much glorious imagery of light versus dark, day versus night. Um, There's a lot of celestial imagery. That means like heaven imagery, angel imagery. Um, Romeo references Juliet's beauty as the fairest stars in all the heaven. Uh, The brightness of her cheek would shame those stars as daylight doth a lamp um he's essentially saying that she is the most beautiful thing he's ever seen in the world that he is like daylight to her uh keep in mind that he said similar things about Rosalind, and yet here he is now saying all of this stuff to juliet the balcony scene though gets a little bit um confused with some productions because most of the conversation is actually monologues of romeo speaking and then juliet speaking and then romeo speaking and they don't romeo is like creeping on juliet juliet doesn't see that he's there until a little bit later in the in the balcony scene um romeo is hearing juliet essentially call out to romeo But she doesn't know he's there. So she's just like talking about her feelings towards him. That famous line of, "Oh Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? The next line she says, Deny thy father and refuse thy name, or if thou will not be but sworn my love, and I'll no longer be a Capulet. This is pretty strong language from Juliet. She is swearing to essentially rebel against her family because remember, the Capulets hate the Montagues and Romeo's a Montague. That she will rebel against her family and like reject her family name in order to be with Romeo. That feels pretty dramatic, having just met a dude at a party. To me, this reveals that Julia is quite desperate to get out of her family situation, potentially. Maybe she doesn't even realize it. But the minute she sees an opportunity maybe to get out of her family situation, her parents don't seem that great. She takes it. Even though she told her mom like a few hours prior that she doesn't feel ready to marry. But that's because she doesn't feel ready to marry Paris, who is what her parents want her to marry. Um, so here she is being so like strong with Romeo and wanting to just be with him. Some people say this is just how love works. That hasn't personally been my experience, but Shakespeare is definitely giving us some things to think about. Um, she kind of brings up a really interesting point, though, about how what's in a name um, be some other name. She uses the metaphor of which we call a rose by any other word would smell as sweet, which is actually quite sound thinking like a rose is always a rose it'll always smell sweet even if it's called something else it'll still be a rose so she's essentially bringing up like we name things because of our experience with them we don't necessarily like name it because of what inherently it is like Romeo's a Montague but he's also like a person that she loves and so that's the most important thing not because he's a Montague which is I I can, I'm, I like that. I'm like, I agree with her on that. So then Romeo reveals himself to her and he says, I take thee at thy word, call me but love and I'll be new baptized. Religious imagery again, baptism is his metaphor here where he's saying that he will, um, he basically is like saying, I'll be a new person. I won't be a Montague because he's hearing what she's saying. I won't be a Montague. I'll be a new person in order to be with you. Um, Henceforth, I never will be Romeo. They go back and forth talking about names, talking about their love, um, talking about the families, um, feud against one another, and how they'll still be together they talk back and forth about what to swear on juliet says swear by thy gracious self which is the god of my idolatry and i'll believe thee dang girl that's strong language he's essentially saying that he's an idol to her um again love or lust i don't know um to quote kendrick you have to figure that out so they keep going back and forth they have the most drawn out goodbye the nurse is calling for juliet they she, juliet keeps going back to romeo it's almost humorous how many times she like leaves and then like comes back to say something else to romeo especially because she says a thousand times good night and the irony in that is like it feels like she says a thousand she says goodnight a thousand times to him Romeo has that classic line of love goes towards love as schoolboys from their books, but love from love towards school with heavy looks. So using the metaphor of going to school as equating that to like, I don't want to leave you because I don't like going to school. And then when I leave school, I'm happy because I have to be at school is like being with you, which is kind of funny that I'm talking about this right now because we're during, we're isolated at home from COVID-19 and we cannot go to school even though a lot of us want to go to school so the tables have turned anyway I get off topic so she keeps saying goodbye goodbye he says goodbye she says if that thy bent of love be honorable thy purpose marriage send me word tomorrow by one that I'll procure procure to come to thee Where and what time thou wilt perform the rite? In all my fortunes at thy foot I'll lay and follow thee, my lord, throughout the world. Dang, girl. She says, swear to marry me. I'll figure out how to meet up with you tomorrow. We'll get married and I'll follow you wherever the world takes you. Pretty strong language again. Romeo's totally on board. They finally say goodbye, Good night. The last thing I want to mention is that Juliet and Romeo, they're kind of final words to each other. She says Yet I should kill thee with much cherishing. Good night, good night. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow. Um The fact that she says that she wants to kill him with all of her love, she's being metaphoric here. But we know the dramatic irony is that we know that they do die because of one another, you could argue. So Shakespeare is famous for kind of like dropping those things throughout the text in, in the play. And it's up to us to identify them and see how that um, affects our understanding of Romeo and Juliet's actions towards one another. And if they really are um, able to make their own choices or are they just have they been doomed since day one before they were even born? because of who they are family members with um that's the big thing we got to figure out in the play so thanks for tuning in to scene one we'll be right back with scene two Scene two, we meet a new character and one of the more important characters in scene two, Friar Lawrence. A friar is a priest. The friar is walking alone with a basket. He's saying a lot of things about the world. Um, Romeo enters and Friar Lawrence sees him and he kind of suspects that Romeo is not doing so well. So then the friar asks him, Where have you been? Were you with Roslyn? And Romeo says, With Roslyn? No, I have forgot that name and that name's woe. Clearly Romeo is self-aware to where he knows that like he just was distraught about Rosalind and yet he is now forgetting her. So that shows some self-awareness, but still, I'm skeptical of him and if he's truly in love with Juliet. Um, so then the friar says, okay, well then where have you been? And Romeo then says, I'll tell you if you ask me again, I have been feasting with mine enemy where on a sudden one hath wounded me. That's by me wounded. Both are remedies within thy help and holy psychic lies saying, I've been with Juliet. She's my enemy. You can help us because you are a holy person. He continues on to say, I want you to help us by marrying us. Um, Please help us. And the friar responds with the greatest response. Holy St. Francis, what a change is here. Is Rosalind that thou didst love so dear so soon forsaken? Young men's love then lies not truly in their hearts, but in their eyes. The friar is super smart here. He's like, what the heck? Dude, you were just so into Rosalind. Now you're into this girl wrote Juliet like are you sure you're really in love or is this just based on looks and like infatuation um Romeo says no it's not it's love I didn't I doted on her on Rosalyn this wasn't love this is different and then the friar kind of like quickly changes his tune He says, uh, come young waverer, come go with me. In one respect, all thy assistant be. For this alliance may so happy prove to turn your household's rancor to pure love. What this means here is the friar sees this as an opportunity to bring the Montague and the Capulet family back together. So ending the feud that they've had. I don't know if this is wise or not on one hand it seems kind of wise on the other hand he's using like teenagers to try to like solve these adults and their grudges towards one another which i'm not saying that teenagers don't have great influence they do but i just don't know how wise that is because it could get ugly really fast um And we do know that they eventually die, so we do know in some regard it does get ugly. So I'm just, like, wondering if I was the friar, if I would do this or not. Um, I think I'd be a little bit more hesitant to help him. Maybe this is the friar's way of, like, trying to do good and make peace, and he sees this as an opportunity. So I don't know. Your opinions on the friar? Let me know. Scene three, warning, lots of sexual jokes in this scene. At first read, and if you don't have good footnotes, it probably won't really get you or you won't really grab it because there's a lot of talk about like geese and wits and pricking and slipping and bending. Basically, Mercutio just makes sexual euphemistic joke after another. Um, they're making fun of Romeo because he they couldn't find him all night and they're like where were you what were you doing Um, one note that is really important is Mercutio says before Romeo shows up that he is already dead with love which is ironic because we know that like eventually he does die so like Mercutio then is saying that is pointing to his uh, imminent death. Um, again, another motif of death popping up in the play, even while talking about talking humorously. So yeah, they go back and forth, making all these jokes about sexual actions. Um, one Mercutio is loves to make fun of Romeo. My questions are why? Um, I've seen Mercutio be played a lot of different ways. But he is definitely a character that I can't fully figure out um, as to kind of the role of him. Um, Yeah, so I've just seen it a lot of different ways. Mercutio's humor is a great comedic effect in the play that is so tragic and dark. Um, But on the other hand, whenever we use humor, I think at times it can be to mask something else. And... You'll see later on what happens to Mercutio, which um, makes me think a little differently about his humor. But I won't spoil it for you yet. So they're walking in the street. Romeo runs into the nurse, which is perfect because he needs the nurse to tell him what the plan is. And so the nurse gets made fun of by Mercutio. Again, some more sexual jokes. Mm -hmm. Um, the nurse does not like Mercutio's jokes towards her. Fair enough. Um, Benvolio and Mercutio leave. the nurse and Romeo talk. Romeo's plan is to have the nurse tell her tell Juliet to come to confession. and I will be there at Friar Lawrence's cell and we'll get married in secret. The nurse says, yes, I'll do that because I love her, even though I think Paris is a better option for her, but I'm going to respect what Juliet wants. Very different from Juliet's mom, who basically forces Juliet to at least gaze upon Paris and see if she will be in love with him and marry him. Um, Romeo gives the nurse a rope ladder so he can go up to Juliet's room in secret for their wedding night. Um, and what's interesting is the nurse is kind of the, the helper of Juliet and the friar is an older man helping out Romeo. So we have two of these, um, service figures who are the ones who are supposed to kind of give wise counsel to Romeo and Juliet and yet... They're the only ones that know about their interaction with one another. And I'm questioning whether or not their participation in all of this is really wise or not. Um, so again, Shakespeare loves to play with parallels in, in characters as well. So the nurse and the friar kind of parallel one another um, in, that, in that regard. All right, so then they all leave and we'll see if the plan works out. Scene four opens with Juliet freaking out about the nurse not coming back from seeing Romeo. She says, it's been three hours and I don't know what to do with myself because I'm dying to know what the plan is going to be and when I can see Romeo. Again, you see how dramatic she is, similar to Romeo, and they're full of passion for one another. Um maybe a little bit too much the nurse finally comes Juliet's like oh my gosh tell me tell me tell me why aren't you telling me the nurse is like complaining she's like out of breath her back hurts my question is why is she taking so long to tell Juliet is it because she wants her to not do this I don't know I can't really figure that out fully I've seen it play different ways um the nurse does say I did see Romeo he does look pretty good. He's not like Paris, but he does have the looks. And then Juliet's like, okay, I know all of this before, but tell me about our marriage. What of that? What's the plan? The nurse says, will you go to confession tonight, today? And then Juliet says, I will. And then the nurse says, there you'll find a husband and make you a wife. I'll, I'll get the rest of the things ready to go for your wedding night. And then Juliet's like, finally, you told me what's going on. So that's Juliet and the nurse figuring out the plan. And we'll see if it works out. The last scene of Act Two finally um, brings us up to speed with um, them in Friar Lawrence's cell, where the friar marries Romeo and Juliet. The main thing about this scene that I want to point out is the words of warning that the friar has before he marries them. Um, These are pretty famous lines. He says These violent delights have violent ends, and in their triumph die like fire and powder, which as they kiss consume. The sweetest honey is loathsome in his own deliciousness, and in the taste confounds the appetite. Therefore, love moderately, long love doth so. Too swift arrives, as tardy as too slow. Where he uses these motifs of an explosion and then eating too much sweets to talk about how if you love too fast and too hard, it's not as good and it will die. Kind of like too much of a sweet thing is bad. Um. So he's warning them, saying, like, are you sure you want to do this? Essentially, like, violent actions, rash decisions could have really grave consequences. And in this regard, we do know that they die. So the friar warning them, I think, is really significant. Um, But yet he still chooses to, like, be an accomplice to this and marry them. I don't know if that's him granting dignity to the fact that he believes Romeo and Juliet are old enough to make their own decisions. Like, I can get behind that. But if he does, he does seem to have a relationship with Romeo that, like, has lasted a while because the Friar knew about Rosalind. So, like, clearly they know each other um, and have a relationship. Kind of like a mentor relationship, similar to Juliet and the nurse. So I still don't really get why the friar would choose to go through with it. I mean, I know that he wants to have the families stop fighting. So maybe he really does believe that this will stop the fighting. All that to say, they end up getting married, expressing all their love to each other. And that's how Act Two ends. tuning in. See you next week on Teacher Talk. This is Ms. Bagdop.